The Navy is not giving up on its ambitions of a 355-ship fleet, but getting there might take a little longer. The new Chief of Naval Operations says the budget proposal rolling out next month will place a premium on readiness and maintaining the fleet the Navy already has. And that's likely to mean slower growth in new ships. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu has got the details. The 355-ship goal has been on the books since the Navy's last force structure assessment in 2016, and Congress ratified that figure by enshrining it into the 2018 Defense Authorization Act. The service, together with the Marine Corps, is now working on an updated assessment, and Admiral Michael Gilday, the Chief of Naval Operations, doesn't expect the overall objective to change. But for now, there are things that are more important than growing the Navy. I'm focused on closing capability gaps, on closing readiness gaps, and increasing lethality. And so for me... Uh, The focus on sustaining the Navy that we have comes at a high price, and part of that price is perhaps a reduction in growth. Not to say that growth stops, but growth perhaps slows a bit. When I talk to Congress, um, I think I have to make a case that we have to sustain the Navy that we have today. It's been an age-old problem for us. The Navy's budget proposal isn't final, but officials have been looking at a number of options to fund other priorities besides shipbuilding, including one that would actually shrink the fleet, at least temporarily, from the current battle force of 293 ships down to 287. Speaking at the Surface Navy Association's annual symposium in Arlington, Virginia, Gilday did not give specifics on the upcoming budget proposal, but he says operations and maintenance dollars are a top priority for him. Getting ships out of shipyards at you know a rate of 20%... 25%, 30% completion on time is completely unsatisfactory. In a country like this, it's embarrassing. And so we need to fix that stuff. That's where we need to put our effort. Steaming hours, flying hours, maintenance. Uh, we, are funding, uh, we are funding maintenance at the highest executable levels that we can. According to an analysis the Government Accountability Office released last month, those embarrassing shipyard problems had been steadily worsening between 2014 and 2018, especially within the Navy's surface fleet. They were at their worst in 2018, when only 15% of ships scheduled maintenance was finished on time. GAO estimates the fleet had 19 surface ships fewer than it should have had available for operations last year because they were stuck in maintenance periods that ran late. And GAO says the problem of maintenance periods running extremely late continued to get worse in 2019. 57% of the delays were for 90 days or more last year. In 2014, only 20% were delayed by that much. But Navy officials insist they're making progress. The service has hired more than 2,000 new employees to staff its public shipyards over the past three years. And last year, it created the new position of Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Sustainment, in part to oversee and advocate for funding for ship maintenance. James Gertz, the Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Research, Development and Acquisition, says the improvements are focused on better planning, including with the private contractors who perform repair work. We were not, when I first got here, looking at that enterprise as an integrated set of programs. We were looking at them as individual availabilities. And we were kind of treating each as its own just in time. And it would be a little bit of akin to, I have, uh, you know, 50 apartments. I need to get them all painted but I'm not going to call the painter until the Friday before I need him on Monday, and I'm not going to tell him how much paint to bring until he gets there, and then I'm going to be shocked that we're going to not maybe get the right painters delivered at the right time, right? Uh, And so what we're really trying to do is look at that entire system. It's a $10 billion-plus-a-year enterprise. His war-fighting capability tonight depends on that enterprise, not the new construction work, and we, we had not necessarily put all the acquisition tools into play and looking at it as a system approach. We hadn't put data into play. There was a lot of opinions. 
there wasn't a lot of data. And Gert says things are indeed improving. The Navy currently projects 68% of its maintenance availabilities will be on time this year. That's good. On-time availability is the first on time. Now we've got to do it in full and continue to figure out how to not, you know, how do we take costs out of the system. What we've done on the aviation side is, again, understand the data, take action, but not stop at just a tactical action. Look at all the strategic pieces in there. There's another fairly uh, important initiative in the Secretariat right now of looking at supply chain, right? To sustain something has got, involves like, you know, 79 different organizations. On aviation, we looked at the E2 of the number of different funding lines to keep an E2 flying, and it's like, you know, 30 funding lines from 19 different people. So the other piece is what's the C2? So the TICOM commander gets to prioritize what's important, and then we can set all the levers to match that. We have, I think, opportunity to do that even better. That's where we're going to focus some more this year. But GAO says the maintenance backlog isn't just about capacity and efficiency within the Navy's maintenance enterprise. One major root cause has been the service's operational tempo over the last several years. Ships have been sent on extended deployments, causing more wear and tear on their systems, and in some cases, delaying the start of their planned maintenance cycles. Those increased operational demands are driven by DOD's geographic combatant commanders. But Gilday says the latest national defense strategy is starting to give the Navy and other services a greater voice in the decision-making process to give more weight to building readiness than to responding to COCOM requests for forces. When Secretary Mattis at the time signed that out, it has essentially flipped the paradigm in, in, in terms of, A, readiness being a priority, but B, it has flipped the model in terms of force employment from a demand base from the COCOMs to a supply base from the Secretary of Defense. So Admiral Boxall in the J-8, he develops a set of directed readiness tables every year. And those directed readiness tables take into account things like the forward presence that we need. They take into account the readiness that we're rebuilding, right? It takes into account what the combatant commanders need in terms of uh, the capabilities to respond to threats. And then the secretary directs that readiness. And the secretary then has to make decisions on what missions he's going to support. So when the combatant commanders ask for more stuff, they don't always get it. Because I have an argument to make as a service chief and then separately as a joint chief on why that may or may not be satisfactory to me in my Title X head. I do think from the top down that readiness is tracked closely and guarded. Jared Serbu, Federal News Network. Celebrate this holiday season by sending money to your loved ones with Western Union. As a new customer, you can enjoy a $0 transfer fee when you send money online. For fast and reliable money transfers, use Western Union. Visit westernunion.com or download our app today to get started and your first transfer fee is on us. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983, or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985, FX Gain Supply. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.